Hi, and welcome to Edge with Dr. Stephen Brown. This podcast series focuses on the story, the personal narrative of Australians who have pushed at the edge. They have been pioneers who are doing amazing things that are a little bit different to the everyday. Sometimes their stories are told and well celebrated, and sometimes these stories are reasonably well hidden. Dr. Stephen Brown is a highly regarded leader in the education sector, both in Australia and internationally. He is the Managing Director of the Brown Collective and has a strong interest in people and getting to know their stories. He has developed this podcast series to introduce you to some of Australia's finest citizens. When I mention the name Roger Rashid, I think arguably most people would know who Roger is. But do you really know what drives Roger, what he really thinks about, what's formed him, what informs him and what is his aspiration for the future, what are his contributions? I've gone to know uh, the man that is Roger Rashid and it's a very impressive uh, person and uh, certainly an outstanding high achiever that some of you know the achievements and some of you won't know all of those. So during the course of uh, this episode of The Edge in Conversation with Roger, we hope to delve a little bit further into the person that is Roger Rashid and uh, what he does on behalf of those particular values that uh, have formed him and those aspirations that drive him. So welcome, Roger, to The Edge podcast. Thanks, Stephen. Uh, I'm honoured to be on, to be honest. So uh, we have, all have a great, uh, we all have a good life journey and it takes us in a different places and you've had, you've had obviously an exciting one as well. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited to chat to you. Roger, you mentioned life journey. So your parents, um, Lebanese, and owned a deli in Adelaide in Hutch Street. And you quite proudly say mum and dad were really hard workers and didn't have much interest or time, I guess, for sport. How does a Roger Rashid become the youngest person to qualify for the Australian Tennis Open at 16 in a few days? The international tennis coach, a person who played SANFL for uh, Australian football, how does that happen? It's interesting, it's a good question and, you know, there are a lot of sporting pathways that, are, that unfold because parents have been in the line of the sport, so you've actually followed, like, there's a lot of tennis people that, that played professionally that their parents played, you know, and they were always at the tennis courts and that's how they got involved. So my parents never, so if we just, I mean, we probably talk two things, if you, if you, if I just isolate that, is I, I would like to talk about why, how I got there because, and sort of like what, the mental space of that because there's two different uh, things. I think they're two different beasts, but I think I was just a, a boy that was able to just enjoy life. You know, my parents were very big on letting their kids be kids. So it was just to create whatever opportunities they had available to, to give us. And that's really just the basic essentials. You know, there was, there was nothing out of the ordinary. For example, we never went on a holiday as children. So I don't remember a holiday except when I was a young boy at 11, being in, in Lebanon in Beirut in the middle of the Civil War. So that, uh, for, you know, for almost six months, so that's another story uh, we can touch on. But so that, it was just about opportunities. And I just probably enjoyed 
school for what it was. I thought it was a bit of fun. I, I thought school was fun all the way through, I think. <laughs> it was a sporting sort of playground for me. And as I obviously was uh, fortunate enough to have some skill, some natural talent, uh, which obviously came through my parents' line without them actually being sporting prowess um, back in Leblon, but there was obviously a gene there. And, and that allowed me to engage sport and enjoy it. You know, and, and I was a person that liked to be running around like a lot of kids do and, and you know, enjoying the what sport provided. And that sort of built the pathway of that and took me into this global world of, of sport. It, it initially, it was football. Uh, Stephen, it was football was my passion initially because realistically it was the easiest thing for uh, parents to supplement. It was, a, you know, it's easy to have a football and kick it around to yourself and, and do all those sort of things. Tennis is a different beast where you've got equipment and, and so there's a financial responsibility around that and there's also a different pathway. You can easily have a kick with your mates, but um, hitting a tennis ball, I wasn't exposed to that till the age of 12. So uh, football was my playground and uh, I very quickly was in state teams and then all of a sudden at 15 I had invitations from Collingwood at Essendon to look at their clubs and uh, but by that time at the age of 12 I started tennis just fortunate, fortunate enough playing a school tournament at lunch times I entered because my mates were playing and uh, at the end of the week I won that event and uh, as a kid doesn't matter what it is if you know you're like a you're like someone in the in a lolly shop when you if you win something you like it and so Mm. So that sort of progressed and played school tennis. And then I was fortunate enough to get in front of an auntie of mine I heard about that and, and she played at the tennis club and, and she assisted, uh, her name was Lorna Humsey, and she, she ably assisted that, that pathway to get me, you know, put me in front of a coach and actually sort of things unfolded from there, uh, combined as those two sports. And eventually I decided that tennis was the one I had to put first if I wanted to play it professionally back then. Back, back when I was younger, uh, you had to be good younger, whereas now it doesn't work that way. There's a, there's a whole strength element to it, which actually doesn't allow you to sort of break through early. So I thought give tennis a, a crack with the people that I was involved with uh, at the time from Pembroke School, Robert Oti, um, who's a famous football name here in South Australia, with the Oti family, and, then, and also my coach at the time, Peter Smith. So the decision was to go and try tennis, and if that didn't work, you could probably easily pick up a football and play that, which I ended up playing after my injuries and I had to stop tennis. I played some league football. So I've described you in the introduction. Um, I've done a rudimentary job of trying to capture that um, the achievements um, that you, the public image, how would you describe yourself, Roger? Um, for me, it comes across you a very humble uh, person who's made some extraordinary things happen. So how would you describe, rather than others, how would you describe yourself? I'm a person who I love. Uh, the success of others. I love watching people succeed and actually uh, I'm a a full-time giver, sometimes to my detriment, which a lot of people tell me, but I do enjoy giving, whether that's uh, of my time or it's philanthropy or it's, you know, it's it's just making, just trying to exercise. So so I'm I'm a person who likes to give, but I also, but in giving, I like to achieve. Um, So I, I give to achieve. To, to get people to achieve. It's not just giving for giving's sake. And I feel like I'm a humble person because I don't, I think they're, I just don't, I think what I do, I've been fortunate enough to do. I've been fortunate enough to, to 
land on some stones and be able to jump on the next stone, which has given me an opportunity. And, you know, I've watched my parents work their way through life and the way they've worked through life and their education that we were given as young kids. You know, they, my dad said, never underestimate anybody and never disrespect anybody because everybody's got a story attached to where they are in life. And you say you treat regardless of how much they've got or how little they've got, you need to treat them the same way. Um, and he, you know, he was a man, he was a man of not many words, but when he spoke, he had some amazing qualities that attached to that. So yes, I think that's the type of person I am. Ultra competitive. There's no doubt about that. For a person who wasn't at school to learn through books, I love the vehicle of learning and education, but my books that I've read have been life books of experience of being out on the journey and actually being, you know, being on the front line, if you, if you know what I mean. So I think I've learned more through that and the collaboration of people and watching. I'm a, I've, I've learned through imagery. Um, I've learned through being able to get in front of uh, people that are high achievers and actually and pick their brains and see how they operate, um, you know, function. So, so I suppose I've been highly educated, Steve, but not through the learning of, of through the school system or the education system so much as as a as a common thought, um, common ground. It's uh, yeah, it's quite interesting when I when I do dive back and think about that. My daughter says to me, who's thirteen now, she says, "You're a dropout, Dad." She with a smile on her face, "You're just a dropout. Stop it." And I said, "Well." I sort of am, you're right, in a way. I said, but I dropped out to be educated. Uh, I, was, I went overseas and was playing tennis, and so my education was just starting. So uh, anyway, <laughs> we'll see where that goes. So yeah, that's, I guess that's the type of person I am. I'm, I'm pretty simple. I enjoy the simple parts of life because I think life's very busy, and I like the simplicity of what you can give, what you can generated life yeah you um you talk about the the formation uh, of you and um, much of the research tells us the influence of our parents our mum and dad and uh, typically if we're delighted to have uh, mum and dad in our lives and the influence of uh, your teacher and teachers um, that really spent two hours with you in the mornings just hitting tennis balls and doing those and seeing something that you perhaps couldn't see. You talk about your life development, which is interacting with so many people, and you have such a thirst for knowledge and you have a a wise uh, sense about you, Roger. Just looking at the leaders that you ascribe the tag to other people are leaders, what do you believe is the most important thing about being a leader, what you should demonstrate what you should represent as a leader what should you do yeah it's an interesting question isn't it leadership was it's uh it was something i didn't know that i I could always lead myself as a young boy i didn't need um i didn't have all the weapons around me i didn't you know so i wasn't i had to make things happen for myself so i didn't know back then that I could lead other people. Um, it wasn't obviously in my in my thinking anyway, but um, but I could make myself do things regardless of the challenges. I'd be prepared to take them on and actually make something happen with the conditions. Uh, whether I got the outcome I needed or not, that wasn't necessarily relevant. It was it was more about the fact that I was able to absorb it and take it on. So I guess there was a good inbuilt part of that um, leadership qualities right there. So now when I actually am in front of people and dealing with people, I think more 
I'm good at listening. I'm better now than I ever used to be. I, I was always the person that wanted to, okay, I've got the answer. But like, let's go. But I've learned to be able to listen at first, but more importantly, understand that it has to be a full collaboration. And the person who's the leader, uh, it's impossible for you to put yourself anywhere else except in with them. Because once you're in the trenches with them and you collaborate, you're collaborating with people and you can design a a picture and a pathway forward with people instead of you being the guru, you've got them. And so therefore you're creating the, the leadership model or what the pathway is together. I love to generate enormous buying because it's got to be, when you're looking at leadership, it's got to be their story. We're in front of people, but we're trying to uh, evolve them and, and what whether it's their business or their sport. So it's, it's them, it's about them. So understanding understanding a lot more about them uh, and then being able to to collaborate and build something for them and give them a really, I'm really big on giving people a simple, simplistic picture to look at. The more complex we create a, a platform, the more people are, it's, it's overthought, if you know what I mean. The, the process is, is there's too much, it's too much, it becomes too messy and the waters aren't clear enough. And, and I'm, I'm really big on dumbing down things because I like to bring the child back into the adult. We've got a lot of child in us, we all have, but we, it gets suppressed the older we get and you virtually don't see that child anymore because we're, life takes on a different uh, journey. It's, it's too official, if you know what I mean. Whereas I like to bring that child back out. So that child enjoys simple messaging. So I try and, I'm trying to deliver that. And I, and I think um, I've been, I've wanted to create a foundation with people that uh, I've built something that's sustainable. That's, that's, yes, it's looking after the now, Stephen. It's looking after what's just ahead of us, but it's also got a, um, it's got a platform that's sustainable over a long period of time, regardless of whether I'm not there or not. So it's something that you can build out with them and they can actually just plug in at any time through in life. Because my job really as a leader is, uh, yes, you're there quite in a big way at the start, but I'm trying to make myself redundant. When I know that they're at the front leading and now I'm just watching and enjoying the ride, uh, that's success for me. So yes, at the start, we're at the front, and they've got the reins, uh, but realistically, you know, I want them to take over and actually take the front running, and then I, my voice is very is very limited, and it doesn't need to be there, and it just comes in at certain periods to uh, reinforce or or you know move with the changing climate that we might be in. Very, very insightful as usual. Just analysing that, I'm just taking a few notes and mental checks in my own head. Good leaders are great coaches and, you know, you exemplify that extraordinarily well. I mean, finding people's narrative, their story and connecting with that, bringing out that inner voice that and uh, having fun again and reconnecting with our formation, which is typically between zero to 10 and particularly zero to five those early years of our life and uh, you know the art of communication how you package that message up and actually cut out um, just to give them the cut through sort of piece i think in previous conversation you're talking about working with high performance and you know getting those 
one or two or three things right and just and that'll be the difference in terms of your work that uh, is increasingly uh, well known beyond the sporting the media stuff is the roger rashid foundation which i just find fascinating uh, your dedication and going back to your dad's saying which is about you know helping other people and finding their story and you know your great philanthropy there is uh, achieving many extraordinary things do you want to tell us a little bit about that and why, why you're doing that on the edge of things the edge of adelaide and first of all my father passed away three and a half months ago so it's pretty raw for me but and so I, i've been able to to dive in a bit deeper and a lot of things that my father did as that that virtually has produced me and 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 created a lot of this now i i get where the dots uh, match up my father was very much a um i didn't know this but he was because he didn't didn't talk a lot you know, he worked a lot uh and but he was a great lover of his family but um he gave a lot if people needed something if family members outside of his intimate family needed something he provided he was happy to give money if, he, if they needed something to you know where we came from they came from lebanon had to do things one way um and he was always there to give and give his time and so there was that natural giver my mum's a a very natural giver of pleaser of people so always concerned that is she pleasing you know is she pleasing people i keep telling them to chill out so i guess it was always it's always there but and then when I, and i look this started up my and, and i just feel like there's an enormous amount of children that you know there's different levels of opportunity and then there's no opportunity that's a real concern for me with with kids because the amount of kids that don't get any opportunity on any level to be able to live a life um, and change a pathway is extraordinary and it's quite sad i know we we look everywhere else around around the world and and, and donate money you know externally but in our own backyard we have got a an enormous playground of children that don't have equipment uh, to use and so for me there's a great that extreme space is really exciting for me because it's the most it's the biggest place you can impact they're at the bottom level they've dug the deepest hole they're in the deepest hole possible these young kids in extreme communities uh no fault of their own and eventually no fault of their parents either because there's third and fourth generation unemployment involved in there so their their parents are dealing with their own crises if, if you know what i mean but they've got kids and so on so how do you break that mold and actually give them another road to, to walk down and and in australia we don't really invest in those spaces like we should we because it's in the too hard basket there's too many years i love the space because i think no there's not there's a lot of it there's all upside you can't go any further down so and the only way i think you can address extreme disadvantaged children is through sport it's the fact it's the carrot uh it's the pie piper that can fun, put the kids in a big funnel and get them into an and get them into a, a playground where there's active where there, where there can be some activity and it can be activated so sport actually is a medicine that can to bring children together all the good assets of the interactive, the way they can communicate, their social engagement, their health engagement, the, the well-being, the mental well-being of children uh, through just being active is extraordinary. And so, and it all, and then it bounces into other things. So we invest a lot in education in those areas. So high level of spend in education. Well, 
why are kids going, they're not interested in education in those, those communities because they don't have anyone behind them supporting that. Sports are no-brainer. So sometimes you, you need something to gather and then build and build, be able to build a trust environment uh, where there's people that have got their, feel like they've got, the kids feel like they've got their, someone's got their arms around them uh, and then they're prepared to give. Because you've got to remember kids, all kids would love to be loved they don't have, there's not enough damage yet at a young age where they're positioned, pocketed in one area. Um, so they all want to be loved. It's just, it's hard to be loved in those communities. So they, they get to a certain age and they, they're, they're on the streets. It's about street smarts and protecting yourself instead of being young kids. So my whole idea was to use sport in those areas. Um, so we go in there, look at him, training some infrastructure, putting sporting programs in there, you know, building a trust. Uh, umbrella with the with the kids and the community, and then it bounces back into the home life. Home life. So the parents actually they love it because there's a first of all something new in those that, that community, so they can be proud of. Uh, they can give their children something that they couldn't give them. So there's some activity, and then all of a sudden the parents are around each other. So there's a bit of interaction. So we engage the parents in in some some forms of activity as well throughout the course of the year, and so. I'm probably, when you start, start talking about leadership, I'm probably plugging leadership into extreme community, to be perfectly honest. It's a, it's a leadership program behind the scenes. Extraordinary um, contribution, Roger. And finally, just to wrap this podcast uh, episode of Edge up with Roger Rashid, what do you want to achieve next? Uh, it's been interesting because I've, I've changed the way I do life, um, you know, because... I don't travel full time anymore as a as a coach because I need to be here and support my daughter's journey. I need to be the best father that I that I can be. There's no point in helping everyone else and not being there for your for your daughter. So I made that commitment, you know, it's, it's been now almost two years. So I made that commitment two years before that that, that I'd put a line in the sand. That was a hard, hard decision. So what's next is I wanna be um, I wanna build a bigger vehicle to impact more people. So through what I do with with performance, general performance, not sport, but just performance, personal performance. Uh, I want to really build a big, uh, bigger network of being able to help more people on a bigger, on a broader scale. Because really, my stuff's been very much isolated to individuals, and then and certain other individuals in, in outside of uh, sport, just some business, etc. But uh, there's more to give. So that's where I want to work in that space. I, as I said, I like impacting people, and um, and I and that's that's in that space, and also. In a, in, a, in a philanthropic space, I want, I want to, my foundation will go around Australia uh, next year uh, in, in a format, so which I'm excited about. And I think finally, the other, the other um, thing that I want to make sure I achieve is to to get the balance of life right. You know, we're hungry for information. We're hungry to. A lot of us like to achieve. A lot of people like to achieve, but make sure you're achieving pockets of things that mean something. So it's not just financial achievement and business success and, and it's about that you're achieving what the child was in you, what what, what were you like, the things that you that you love. Bring back things that you love in life. So it gives you that, I, I suppose I'm trying to reinvent the child in us all a little bit more. So bring that person back out because we are all kids, let's face it. We all act like uh, two-year-olds at some point and we do like that. We're, we're sort of, you know, there's no... There's sort of no filter. 
you know, so I'd, I'd like to bring more of that back and make sure I had that in my life. So, so you know, I've been very lucky that the biggest, the biggest number one asset, I know I'm sort of going back a little bit, but I needed to get this out because uh, I'm, I say it more and more now that the number one asset I had in life was my parents when they came here, and, and this is why this all works and why it's all worked, is that when they arrived here, they had no other option but to travel down one road because they didn't speak the language. They didn't know people here except their own that have come over. So they went to Renmark into the Riverland in South Australia. They had to make choices that gave them a chance. They had no other road to travel down but to go and find some work, learn the language, learn to collaborate with people because their work was always going to be that type of delicatessen snack bar style activity because that's a, that's a, you could get yourself involved in that without the education. And so they had to do all this stuff that, that reeks leadership and they never pivoted off that road because they couldn't afford to pivot off the road because there were no there was no side streets like kids have and a lot of people have in the world now where they can just veer off all the time because they had to produce the best product uh, and their quality of product would dictate how would it sell to the market and how they collaborated with people was extremely important to bring them there and then they would get an outcome and they could use that to, to keep moving forward. So when I think about it, that's what I was given. I was given all that as a, as a message by watching and learn and just watching them really go about their stuff. And, and really that's, uh, that's pretty cool leadership, I reckon. And, and, as you get, and as you get better and better and as you get more successful, obviously some roads are created because you have some options. But for a long period of time, they were very single-minded and what they did was they stayed in their lane. And I love the ability to try and make people stay in their lane and not not use too much energy with uh, with excess stuff. Roger, thank you so much uh, from on behalf of so many. I think um, well, I know that so many people admire you, acknowledge, and endeavour to celebrate you as somebody who has contributed quite significantly to others. You're an individual achiever to the highest order taking tennis players to the next level, international tennis coach, media uh, personality of the highest regard, much sought after. What I love about you in so many ways is your contribution that your dad said and uh, what you give to others and your humility. But as Jim Collins said, that humility comes with a high degree of focus commitment to make the world and others different and better and thank you for generously sharing your time on edge today um, it's great to have you as part of my network but more importantly and emerging as a friend so thank you for your friendship and what you're doing for so many other people particularly people who don't have uh, the life chances that many of us uh, have been afforded so Thank you, Roger. Extraordinary work. Thanks, Roger. Pleasure. Thank you for joining us today. You can follow Dr. Stephen Brown on LinkedIn and Twitter on at Dr. Stephen Brown One. Please join us next time for another episode of Edge.